Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? My name is Garrett Morlang. Hey, everybody. I'm JJ Prudhomme. And we are the Super Gamer Boys. And we are the preeminent video game podcast in the entire world. We are trying to take over the world with all of our comedy, with news and whatnot. And we are so excited to be members of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Yes, we bring you uh, all the news you want to know every week. We bring you movie reviews, game reviews, uh, and all the goofs you want to hear. So come check us out every Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 92 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who's got to break them all, and I ain't talking controllers, Robert Workman. Uh, like Chibi Robo, I'm on fire. <laughs> uh, or like Nintendo NBA over... Jam in this case, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, but did you see, like, Nintendo's tweet today of Chibi Robo standing aflame and everything like that? Like, yeah. they're teasing us about that new Nintendo Direct. That Nintendo's they're, a they're... bunch of trolls over there, I think. <laughs> they, think yeah. they got a bit of, like, trolls, like, running their Twitter, uh, their Twitter like, channels there. <laughs> yeah, but they're having fun. Uh, hopefully, we'll see a Nintendo Direct sooner rather than later. But today, uh, we're talking about classic ball and paddle games because really there's there's quite a few that actually made some nice video game history here and we actually have a great guest on the show to talk to us about his own ball and paddle game yeah that's right so we got here uh he's like an indie game developer but also a good buddy of mine is danny silver so uh, so, so welcome back here danny how's it going guys what's going on i think like last time that we got together danny um I think that was like for the uh, the Pax East panel that we did actually, like Forgotten Gaming Gems, like that, that we talked. Oh about. God, yeah, <laughs> shoot, that was almost a year ago, wasn't it? It was. Where, yeah. where the dude, the dude actually blared the Jet Set Radio music right. just yeah. to get his point across. Epic. Yeah, that was an epic. We, we, we yeah. actually have like an audio version of that entire panel, actually, like in, um, like as part of like the episode lineup for our cast. So if you look back, uh, like you know, sometime last April, basically, uh, you you will find that audio, uh, the kind of like you know. Kind of, like special audio version of the panel, uh, but yeah, it, was, it, it, was it is archived on their Twitch page too. Yes, I've yeah, it's on it's on Twitch as well. I just gotta make sure to kind of keep it for myself for posterity's sake. So like, I have the video yep. as well as the audio up on our cast and everything, so uh, so that people can go check that out if they want to. So, um, but yeah, so you know, so as like Robert alluded to there, we are talking about the old ball and paddle games or brick breakers, if you will, or the uh, breakout clones. They have, they kind of go by yep. many names, uh, but we're gonna be talking about all those types of games. So uh, I figure we kind of like. Uh, Start us off uh, at least with the news anyway to kind of like get that out of the way. Uh, first off, with uh, with my arcade actually, and this is like something that you also brought to my attention here, Robert. Yeah, because they sent me a bad dude's uh, mini arcade game. Now they're the NES games, but they're put into redesigns of these classic arcade cabinets. So it's bad dudes NES, 
but it looks like a Bad Dudes arcade game. And these things are only 30 bucks. And this week they announced that they have reached a deal with Bandai Namco, and they're going to bring out three of their NES classics as arcade games as well, mini arcade games, these tabletops. Uh, we're going to see Dig Dug, we're going to see Galaga, and we're going to see Pac-Man. And we're also going to see a special handheld version of Pac-Man. Same game, but it looks like one of those 80s handhelds. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, It's all yellow, neonish, and it's just it's kind of neat. You know, I mean, it's like these guys are trying to bring back the classic Coleco era, if you will. And I know you guys remember the old Coleco tabletops, the ones that had the really bad sound oh, and everything. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. timeless, timeless. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're going to announce these games this year and then they're, sure they're going to make some more, probably like Dig Dug 2 or Miss Pac-Man or something like that. Maybe even Clax. I'd love to see a Clax minigame. That'd be great. Um, but uh, they're at CES 2018. If you're going to an area that has lights that work. Yeah, I saw uh, that with the blackout thing that's going on. Over yeah, <laughs> it's the biggest electronic show in the world and the lights don't work right so too much okay. te- it's too much technology <laughs> yeah you know damn it google what did you do uh what do you what do you guys think about these uh these mini games what do you think about my arcade continuing its lineup of these impressive little mini games i think it's fantastic i think you know the the more ways we can find to archive these games not and you know not just play them on our couches but in sort of an accurate representation of what they were and always should be um the better really um you know like it's great for instance say to have the x-men arcade game on xbox live uh but i'd rather play the six player gigantic arcade cabinet of it if i get my hands on it yeah i was gonna say a miniature version of that would probably be a little bit cramped yeah it'd be a cool like kind of little like a collector's item i would say but like to actually play on it would be like hell i think oh yeah well i can't get to the nightcrawler's controls you guys are crowding me on the other hand you might be able to handle two characters at once yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, that's true. But like, you know, to to play games like, you know, um, like Galaga or Pac-Man uh, or like Dig Dug in this case, too, um, you know, it, like it could certainly work like just with kind of like that the single player experience. Uh, but like the one that, that I definitely have my eye on, though, as, as you mentioned there, Robert, is that that, uh, that Pac-Man kind of handheld kind of standalone console looks like uh, that looks really, really cool. And th- that's also for uh, for like 30 or 35, right? Yeah, about 30 to $35, they said. Cool. So um, they're going to release sometime this year. And again, they're based on the NES games. I think that's the only thing that's really holding the series back in greatness. They're advertised as arcade games, but they're NES games. Oh, okay. But a lot of people grew up on those NES games, so it's not really the end of the world. And they still play very well. So, gotcha. you know, if you're looking to do some collectible stuff alongside your Colecos, uh, check these out, of course. And then uh, there's the guys that did the uh, Kickstarter for the Tempest and Centipede mini games, which are also be coming this year and those are based on arcade games so hopefully i'll get me getting my hands on one of those soon as well so uh yeah the mini arcade is returning i love it absolutely absolutely like like any like reason like kind of like have retro gaming come back in some fashion especially like have it like modernized in some way uh you know to kind of make it more convenient i guess like to play these games i'm all for it you know as you mentioned there too danny uh you know just having having retro gaming come back in, in, any, in any sort of way we are all for for sure so uh, oh God, yes and uh something else that might be coming back that we certainly did not expect to come back that's for sure is uh 1080 snowboarding so uh i don't know if you guys play this but, like uh, this is like an n64 game uh basically they're like mm-hmm. i don't know they're franchise snowboarding like um you know like franchise more or less oh i played the hell out of it <laughs> i think they made like two of them too right yeah they made that one and they made 1080 avalanche uh for the gamecube and it was a lot of fun too uh, but yeah they filed a new trademark yeah so like nintendo like filed like a trademark for uh for basically just 1080 
Um, so I'm guessing like whatever games they have, like you know, I, I would guess it's coming out for the Switch in this case, uh, will just be called 1080. Because uh, there was also like a trademark, like along with the, uh, the logo as well. Like, so they actually got the logo that they kind of trademark along with that too. Uh, so as far as like we know, it's just going to be a game just called 1080. It'll be a return of the 1080 snowboarding franchise, and uh, you know, more likely than not, it'll be coming at the Switch and everything. So um, I, I am actually pretty excited for this, just because I can imagine just using like the Joy Cons, like that they'll probably utilize that in some way as far as like you know doing all the tricks and whatnot. So you probably just do like different motions, got to do different snowboarding tricks, which which could uh, you know, which could turn out to be like a pretty fun experience, honestly. Yeah, it, it sounds like it will be. And there's always the speculation like, will it be a new game? Will it be Avalanche releasing for the Switch as part of the proposed GameCube lineup? I mean, it could be both. Yeah. Seriously, 1080 is an underappreciated series. Like like F Zero, I think it died out way too soon when Nintendo could have released sequels and made something of it. I think all this stuff about SSX getting super serious kind of scared them off. But now. Uh, I see this year as being a big opportunity for Nintendo to continue to keep the fans and bring back the franchises that they absolutely love. And 1080 is one of those franchises. Obviously, you know, F-Zero would be nice. And, you know, what the hell, Kid Icarus? Mm, sure. sure. <laughs> you, you know, just throw it out there. But I, I think this is a prime opportunity for uh, Nintendo to really grab those classic fans and bring them in along with the casual fans that are enjoying Nintendo Switch. Like, this week alone, Japan is reporting that Nintendo Switch has already reached, in less than one year, the lifetime sales number that the Wii U had. So it's accomplished in 10 months what the Wii U took six years to do. Like, 12 million units worldwide. For sure, yeah. That's that's insane. I mean, that, that's how popular the Switch is. So Nintendo, of course, is going to capitalize upon this. And hopefully we'll see this announced around like E3 or so. I doubt we'll see it in their proposed Nintendo Direct. But, you know, we've been surprised before. So, yeah, Rob, like you said, I think that SSX scared them off a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, I was never too big into 1080. I did play a lot of SSX, I'll admit. Uh, mm. SSX 3 especially is my mm. jam. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely welcome it back particularly because we haven't really had another snowboarding game since SSX on uh, the last gen. So it kind of died off, it felt like, a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah no... the, the problem with SSX, they, they did it like with a Deadly Descent thing, and then all of a sudden you had these challenges that were impossible to get through. Like oh, They yeah. took away the fun nature that SSX3 was all about, and they made right. it super serious, and kind of it kind of slowed it down as a result. You know, as the soundtrack 10-8... was... Glorious oh yeah, stuff. I'll give no, them that. Oh, yeah. and, oh, and the online God. stuff was cool too. But like I said, I mean, it was a cool time. game. It just was a little, like, a little too extreme. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people just wanted that that sense that you got in SSX three of going down the entire mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about SSX three was this is all on one friggin' mountain, and you could take like an hour and ski down the whole thing. Yeah, and bore down the whole thing if you wanted to. I mean, just just, like, just just like flying off of a you know like like out of like a helicopter and just like going down like the mountain, just like barreling down like hundred plus miles per hour. Like it's yeah. uh, it's just like amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and what I did not like about the new SSX was they got away from that concept. Now we're going all over the world. They're like they're like we're gonna do uh, every mountain, every dangerous mountain on the planet, and then they didn't put cannon. Yeah, uh, in there, it was really you odd. Know, it was like, a really odd choice like, for talk- that particular franchise. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're talking about a mountain that takes at least one person every winter, and 
they didn't put New Hampshire in the game. I'm just like, well, you know, <laughs> screw you, <Right>. EA. Really? <laughs> We're waiting for like um for like Killington to be, to be like thrown in there or something like for Vermont. That would be awesome. But <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they, I... they leave New England out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> And, and like I said, these deadly descents courses, like you could only take so much damage and you had to start them all over again, and you couldn't progress any further in the game until you beat these challenges, which was crap. I'd be like, you know, like with SSX3, you had more of a wide open thing of what you could do, you know, so that limitation really got uh, got on my nerves. And I think it got on a lot of people's nerves. So I don't think that's... It felt very old school punishing. It is. It, it, it almost reminded me of Crash Bandicoot a little bit. Oh, yeah. How... Yeah, so, you know, there'd be, like, those Deadly Descents, the avalanches, they would actually switch yep, the camera. I remember, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the Boulder segments yeah. from Crash Bandicoot. That, uh, and how, you know, <laughs> if, if you do not get past this segment, you can't get past the game. <laughs> Except yeah, they yeah. made it even tougher than Crash Bandicoot. For sure. But it, it sounds like Nintendo's in the right place with 1080, and I hope with the right development team, maybe the same guys that did Avalanche. I, I'd love to see see it make a return and just be a lot of fun again. And and throw in like a two-player split-screen challenge. It would work perfectly well with the Joy-Cons, with, with the you know, online setup and everything. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun. The only snowboarding game we have right now is, what, Steep? So we could use a new snowboarding game. So yeah, bring it on. Absolutely, yeah, and like uh, it, it could also potentially be like a hint on what to expect if we are to get an N sixty four classic next, as far as like Nintendo's like lineup of classic consoles. So um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, like I would say it would be like likely that we would see ten eighty snowboarding as part of that lineup, but. Um, this could be like kind of like a bit of like a double whammy for Nintendo in a sense, as far as like bringing back like the franchise as well as like having the older game uh, that people remember playing on the N sixty four for an N- for a potential N sixty four classic. If we were to see that, which seems more and more yeah. likely as we kind of go, go along. But and while we're at it, Wave Race, please. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Wave Race <laughs> would be really cool. Those are like water physics, <laughs> like yeah, so no so like mind blowing back then for sure. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I just we need it. We need it. We need it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so that's gonna lead us now into the part of the show called "What Are You Playing?" We get into the games we've all been playing or have recently beat. Uh, so, Robert, what have you been playing? Well, I have been playing actually quite a few uh, Xbox 360 games lately because I just got the um, Star Wars model back, which I've been wanting back for a while. Because I have a Star Wars PS4 Pro and a Star Wars PS4, so I'm like. I need all the Star Wars systems, so I, I got that back again. And uh, did you get the um, playing... uh, the like R two D two like C three PO kind of like um, yeah. things too? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to find the C three PO controller. It came with the R two D two system in great shape, but mm. I need to find a three PO controller. But um, I've been working on Vanquish, uh, mm. which I really hope will get a re release sometime soon because that's a lot of fun. Uh, game, very yeah. underrated game, Platinum. Uh, Split second. Been enjoying that, and then. I've also been playing a little bit of Lost Planet 3. Now, this kind of took a change of pace from the first two Lost Planet games. It was done by a different developer, I believe Spark Unlimited. And it's more of like a third-person action game. Well, I mean, like the previous games were, but this is lesser in scope. You still have to take on aliens and everything like that, but it's a different approach. Um, it's a it's a neat little game. It's not as good as the first two, but it is kind of an interesting spinoff. So I've been working on that a little bit. And then on Switch, I've been playing Enter the Gungeon. Oh, yeah. That's always a lot of fun. So, yeah. And Ukulele, which is still kind of frustrating to me. I'm I'm trying to figure it out, but I, I think I feel like ukulele works better on the Switch because I've been hearing reports about that. It, it looks technically better, but the gameplay is still uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Tony talked about a few weeks ago how he was like annoyed by the gameplay not really meshing as yeah. well as it could in terms of a 
the open world platformer, but I know some people like that style of play, so I won't pick on it too much, but it's, I don't know, there's something about it that's grinding my gears. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like it's more the, um, I guess, like the gameplay or of the... Um, or of like the camera, like because like, I, I know I know like a lot of people have like a lot of problems like with like the actual camera system like in the game because it just basically brings back that old N sixty four camera issues basically, um, you know just because it's basically like a spiritual sequel to that game. Um, I think the camera is slightly better, but the gameplay still needs a little bit of work because like some of the challenges are really difficult. I mean, some people like it that way, but. I don't know. To me, like again, it just grinds my gears. Yeah, I think <laughs> you know I think what really grinds my gears. Yeah, you know what really <laughs> like low head. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. I'll tell you what grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, give me, give me Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper's games are perfect 3D platformers. I'm spoiled by those. You know, games that came together and everything like that. Ukulele just feels, I don't know, like it goes against that a little bit, yeah. at least for me. But uh, I never about what I've been playing. Danny, what have you been playing this week? Uh, okay. So first of all, I've uh, really been getting into Path of Exile. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so my, um, uh, team lead on Children of Liberty, uh, got me introduced to that a little bit. Uh, also picked up Rocket League in the Steam sale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. How you liking um, that? I mean, it's a fun game. I do not have the time to devote to getting good at it. That, that that's that's kind of the thing. Like it's, it's one of those like uh, kind of time sync games that you can just play forever, just like Overwatch or Destiny or whatever. Yeah, like I started looking into YouTube videos on tips, and I'm yeah. like, oh, this rabbit hole goes way too deep. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah, just just go fast. Just go fast. <laughs> Got to go fast. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also been playing a little Contraption Maker uh, to kind of get inspired for uh, the project I'm working on right now Hmm, uh and um just so it could make more money i picked up getting over it with bennett foddy oh nice okay okay yeah this is like the game that's kind of been been making the uh the youtube rounds lately i know and just kind of like uh it's a game of of uh that kind of really tests your patience uh, really, I, I've I've actually watched like enough gameplay footage of the game, uh, like, including like a um, a couple of speed runs actually, which just looks amazing for like that type of game. Um, you know that like it's kind of leaves me knowing that this isn't the game like that I want to put myself through, but I wouldn't mind watching other people put themselves through. So it's kind of like a perfect YouTube game in that sense. <laughs> it's really weird when you play it. Like when you see somebody playing it, you figure you get an idea of what the controls are. So you're like, no, just, just pull the hammer in a little bit and then swing yourself up and whatnot. It's not quite as easy as that when you actually get hands on with it. It, mm, there's, there's something kind of springy yeah. about how it works. You you you, you kind of need like the proper mouse really for that game because it's it's all mouse movement like there's no clicking it's all or, mouse movement. yeah yeah. The, the, yeah there's 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 no like waz or anything like that like it's just all mouse and everything so it would it's... work well with a uh, analog stick but I don't know if analog stick is compatible with it yeah no I, mm-hmm. I don't think so like it's meant to be just purely all mouse movement for pretty yeah. much and you're you're just basically look you like for for those of you who don't know like the, like this game is basically like you're a guy in a pot with a uh, was kind of like a pickaxe or something i forget exactly a hammer a hammer sledgehammer Mm -hmm. sledgehammer so like he's using the sledgehammer basically to move himself like through like a level that is like brutal and difficulty just because you have to kind of like hook yourself into like the right things or like use the momentum to kind of like push yourself off like from you know by like bringing like your hammer down into the ground and like just kind of leveraging yourself up or whatever 
uh, depending on like what is needed, pretty much. And like, there's like a couple of like just really frustrating moments in that game where you can actually bring yourself all the way back to the to the beginning after playing for like an hour plus, pretty much. So it's uh, it, it's it's pretty brutal in that sense. But it is uh, if if you have if you feel like you have the the patience of Jesus Christ Himself, then like definitely <laughs> definitely uh, try out this game for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fun. that's kind of an interesting compare the patience of Jesus. <laughs> How long do I have to sit on this cross? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By the Nailed way, but I'm, not, I'm not insulting Jesus. I'm just saying I don't think he was very patient. But oh, then again, do I? Know? Yeah. I wasn't there. I don't <laughs> for know. Sure. All right, so David, what have you been playing? Hopefully, nothing as difficult. Uh, well, sort of in a way. Like, I, you know, obviously, I've been, I've been playing Overwatch, and Overwatch uh, this season has been, you know, it's it's been kind of it seems like it's ups and downs for sure. Like, you know, there are just moments like where like you you're kind of like on a roll, and then all of a sudden you have like a bad night or like a couple of bad nights, and it'll just like bring your your season ranking down like super low just because you know that's just kind of the nature of the game sometimes. And, um, yeah, so I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to basically kind of get myself out of gold, more or less. As, if I can get myself to platinum this season, I'll consider that a mission accomplished for Season 8 in Overwatch. Uh, aside from that, I actually tried out some StarCraft Remastered. Uh, mm. so Ooh, I, how'd they do? So it's really cool. So it's, you know, they, they definitely, uh, you know, they definitely did, like, a nice job, like, with kind of cleaning up and everything. Uh, you know, it's obviously, like, a game by Blizzard, uh, the old, like, kind of, like, um, you know, point-and-click uh, kind of strategy type, type of game. And um, yeah, it's 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 really really awesome. Uh, I didn't play much StarCraft honestly back in the day. Uh, I played like a little bit. I was I was honestly more of like a Warcraft fan, like especially Warcraft Two, um, which you, you know you you can certainly like listen to like more of like in our previous episode, which we did talk about like these like kind of strategy games for sure. Um, but uh, you know, as far as like StarCraft Remastered, they did like a really nice job. Just kind of cleaning it up. It looks amazing. It almost looks like a brand new game entirely, honestly. Uh, but still, like the you know exact same StarCraft One game that you know and love, uh, you know if you grew up with it and everything. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to playing more of it. Honestly, it's it's, it's been really cool so far. And uh, aside from that too, I also played Mega Man One. <laughs> I, I not only played Mega Man One, but I also beat Mega Man One, uh, which nice. is actually a first for me because I I actually didn't grow up Rats. with Mega Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually didn't like like grow up with Mega Man, but like um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like now, as I kind of like you know, in like modern age and everything, uh, first time really beating the uh, the Yellow Devil and everything. Because I'm playing a game through the Mega Man Legacy Collection on PS4, and um, you know, there there is no like pause trick. Like they like they took the pause like uh, the pause trick out of it, so you can't kind of like cheese your way past like the Yellow Devil. So I, I just kind of had to learn the pattern get good at, like, just jumping, basically, to get past, like, his bullshit, pretty much his bullshit pattern, and we go back and forth uh, both sides of the screen. Um, and then, you know, just take out Wily at the end, as well as, like, all the robot masters leading up to him. And so, uh, yeah, so it was, it was good. I, I, I felt very proud of the kind of accomplishment, uh, like, with that, and, like, seeing, like, you know, seeing the ending of, like, uh, Mega Man, you know, kind of be, like, rock and everything with, like, you know, without the suit and everything. It's like, now I'm a real boy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> What do you guys think of Mega Man 11? I'm excited. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for it because it's like it's going back to the traditional 2D style play, but with a 3D approach. I, I like the idea of that because you know I'm not a Mega Man Legends fan. Sorry, guys, uh, but I just I, I'm really excited by the potential. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they do with the, without Inafune on board, obviously. But mm. I'm excited for it. But uh, David, what do you think? I think we talked about this a while back. But... We did. Yeah, we, we actually had like a Mega Man episode not too long ago, actually, in celebration of the 30th anniversary, uh, along with. 
along with, you know, with our buddy Ash Paulson. So, um, yeah, so we definitely talked about this, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to kind of see more, more, you know, more Mega Man. It's good to see Mega Man kind of, um, you know, get some love finally, like after all this time, because he's just been kind of overlooked by Capcom for like so long. Uh, honestly, Nintendo has kind of given more love to Mega Man in recent memory than Capcom has, like, themselves, so, uh, it, so it is good to see, like, a new, new, like, a uh, mainline 2D Mega Man, like, just, like, you know, how you know and love and everything, but, you know, it's brand new and stuff, so, and I, I know, like, with Mega Man 9 and 10, because, uh, you know, I do room with, like, a buddy of mine, like, who is a huge Mega Man fan himself, and uh, he is going through Mega Man 9 and 10, because, like, those are the only two Mega Man games that he has not completed, um, and it's just kind of interesting kind of seeing him go through that, utilizing, you know, his childhood Mega Man knowledge pretty much into that game. And, you know, with like a brand new game, obviously. So it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting, like once like Mega Man 11 comes out, it'll be like totally new for everyone across the board and kind of see like how, what the reaction will be uh, with a brand new retro style Mega Man game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Mega Man 11, I'm going to go with cautiously optimistic. That style of two and a half D platformer, very rarely done right. That, that's what makes me nervous about it. It's just yeah. the general programming of it. If they can do that right, it's going to be great. But they really need to hammer in the code. It is as simple as that. They need to spend so much time coding this thing that I'm a little worried they might be under budgeting for what they need to do. Mm, see they did that with marvel versus capcom infinite so i think they kind of learned their lesson there and another well, thing to consider hopefully. I, I it, think it is capcom after all so. it, it is and hopefully they paid attention to what didn't work in mighty number no. nine because that that kind of <laughs> that kind of yeah. example of a game that was supposed to live up to this height and didn't so you know yeah, I, I and honestly, like, it was kind of giving me some flashbacks of Mighty Number no. 9, like, the very first time I saw that art style for Mega Man 11, like, with that first trailer that they kind of showed off. And um, Right, but, like, yeah. at at the very least, you know, I would say the art style they've got in Mega Man 11 is good, especially when it comes to the background art. Yes, yeah, as far as, like, the, like, designs and everything, for sure. I, I'm, I'm just talking about, like, the actual, like, graphical kind of, like, art style, because it is very, like, Mighty Number no. 9 in that sense, like, kind it of that, that very prototypical 2.5D kind of style or whatever, like, yeah. very, like, kind of, I don't know, almost, like, modern Saturday morning cartoon kind of, like, kind Like, of what people it. wanted out of Mighty Number no. 9 was that original, the original sort of concept yeah. screenshot that they put out. People were like, ooh, it's, like shiny pure 2d hd let's do this This is gonna be awesome and then you get like terribly modeled generic 3d robot dudes with you know just absolutely no heart put into it you you know what i miss the the classic style of klonoa like klonoa and klonoa 2 lunatay's veil both of those had exquisite art style they did 3d mixed into 2d gameplay done right i mean i i miss that kind i want Bandai Namco to bring those back in HD because holy shit they would look amazing for sure for sure so I, I guess we'll find out like you know with with, the, with you know with the future of Mega Man and everything but uh, I, I can at least say that Mega Man One was really, was was good um, you know certainly uh, you know certainly good as far as like you know me finally beating it for the first time and everything because again I didn't grow up really with Mega Man uh, but I'm gonna move on to Mega Man Two which I know is like you know for like a lot of people that is like the 
the best Mega Man game uh, of all time. So I, um, yeah, and I'll just kind of say outright, I have not completed like from from start to finish like any Mega Man game. So this is kind of like me kind of like trying to get that hole in my retro gaming, um, you know, like my retro gaming history basically kind of filled more or less. So uh, so moving on to Mega Man Two next. So um, have you ever beaten Mega Man X? Uh, I have no, I haven't. So I, you know, again, I haven't beaten like any Mega Man game from front, you know, to, from start to finish. Basically, like I, I, I played a lot of them, like just like in passing, like going over to you know, friends' houses and stuff, and just kind of messing around with different bosses and whatnot. But I never actually kind of sat down, you know, from the very beginning of a Mega Man game all the way to the end of a Mega Man game until just recently with Mega Man One and stuff. So, uh, all right. So, so, so here's what you have to that. do: <laughs> grab your SNES Classic, which I'm, I'm guessing you have one. And, I have two of them, yeah. <laughs> okay, excellent. Plop yourself down in front of your couch. In front of your couch. You can't be on your couch. You have to sit You can't be behind front. the TV. You have to be in front of the TV. In front of the TV. Oh, is that how it works? That's I've been it... doing it wrong for years. <laughs> Turn the lights off yeah. and just play through Mega Man X. Yeah. yeah. Or, or do what I did. Do what I did and play through it and then realize what a rookie you are and then watch <laughs> awesome games done quick oh my and watch god three guys the speed race running. the other day that was amazing that was amazing Dude, i oh. loved it that was oh that, my that, god they know how to play 45 on an any percent <laughs> yep that's amazing that's <laughs> amazing you go david get good <laughs> get good exactly get good scrub uh, i'm like i can't do that there's no way i need at least two three heart tanks there's no way it's, it's pretty these, tough, yeah. And they speed run. They, 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 they like they do nothing else. They don't have podcasts like we do. So, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do know how good, uh, you know, how good that Mega Man X is, you know, because I have played the game. I just haven't played it from start to finish. But I, I will definitely get around to that because I'm sure, I'm sure Capcom will come out with a Mega Man X collection of some sort. Uh, in, in yeah, the they future. they did announce that they're coming out with uh, the Mega Man X Legacy Collection uh, yes. sometime this year, which is going to be X one through eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sadly then also includes seven. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were releasing them separately. I didn't know they were doing the collection. They, That's actually no, idea. It's a collection. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, I, I, I haven't heard anything like official as far as like how they're going to release them, but they, they are going to re-release the the X games in some fashion. So I'm just hoping that will be in a legacy collection type of package for sure. Well, I am should... happy to see them anyway because I mean it's it, even with seven, it, it's still a great series, you know, and a lot of fun. Especially X three, that's hardcore. Oh yeah. Like, I still haven't beaten X three. I'm wondering. I mean, so since there's so much in the later X games, it's broken. I wonder if they're going to be like, we're going in and we're fixing it up. That'd be great if they did, but I think they're going to leave it like the originals. I think they would, yeah. Except the originals weren't nearly as broken as X5, 6, and 7. Yeah. I mean, X5, 6, and 7 are, well, X5 to a lesser extent, but 6 and 7 especially are complete trash. And I am so sorry to anybody (laughs) listening who is like an X6 fanatic. There's no such thing as an X7 fanatic. <laughs> yeah. Claim to be. I'm an X4 fanatic. I'm, I'm yeah, good. Ditto. Holy I'm crap. Good. Ditto. Yeah. My game. Love that game. Uh, okay. I will buy that game on any platform it comes out on. Oh, for sure. For sure. So now this, is, now this is another Mega Man episode. <laughs> this is another yeah, another Mega is. Man episode. Bad. Case for sure. It's all good. No worries. But uh, yeah, so obviously there's like a lot to talk about with Mega Man. But if you want to hear more about Mega Man, we, we, we did recently have like an episode, as I mentioned before, with Ash Paulson that you should definitely listen to. So definitely go back to that episode if, if you haven't already. And uh, so to kind of move along with the episode, I do have a game code here to give away. Uh, this is for Super Rude Bear Resurrection. So we've, we've actually done like a few 
few giveaways of this game actually before, but this is a PS4 code now. Uh, so Super Rude Bear Resurrection is an, uh, is an ultra-tight massacre platformer that anyone can beat. Every time you die, your, your previous corpses stack up and you can jump on them, push them around, and use them as platforms or meat shields. Each death makes the game slightly easier, but it's possible to beat the whole game without dying at all. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this if you haven't gotten our previous Super Rude Bear uh, codes from before. Uh, the code here is 6TL9RLNDPKMC. So it's Super Rude Bear Resurrection on PS4. Enjoy. Man, it's a tough game. Dead bears all over the place. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a massacre platformer, as I said there. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so moving on now, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So to start us off, we have GB. So this is a 1978 pinball breakout clone by Namco. As we, you know, we're, this, this, this episode is about to be about breakout. I almost forgot there. Uh, it was Namco's first internally designed arcade game. It is considered one of the rarest arcade games due to its poor sales. And game designer Toro Iwatani uh, would later go on to make games like Pac-Man and Pole Position. So uh, this game has like some history, mainly like with like the fact that Toro Iwatani, uh, you know, like made it and like kind of went on to you know to kind of doing other games. Uh, but like also the fact that this was like you know like a breakout clone uh, that kind of put uh, I, I guess not put Namco on the map, but like kind of got Namco's kind of first step in the door as far as like arcade games are concerned. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because it also spawned two sequels, uh, Bomb B and Cutie Q. And I think a few people out there might be aware of Cutie Q because I think I got like the most distribution in terms of the games that were available in this particular series. Yes, I, I actually saw like Cutie Q like in like an arcade before. I've never seen GB in an arcade or like the other sequel, uh, but but Cutie Q definitely I've seen. Mm-hmm. See, it got better distribution because I think like GB only got like limited distribution by Gremlin, the guys that were working on uh, Frogger right. at the time. So yeah, yeah. but uh, I've never played uh, GB, but I did play a QDQ, and it's a very unique style of gameplay. It kind of makes me wonder why like Namco didn't include these titles in their little um, Namco Museum lineups. Because, you know, like, we, we see, like, all these common popular games and everything like that, but every once in a while they throw in these oddball titles that, um, you know, weren't quite popular. Like, say, with the Namco Museum series on PlayStation, we saw Ordine, Assault, um, you know, stuff like that. But we never saw any, like, GB or QDQ or anything like that. You know, honestly, I never uh, played any of uh, these, these Namco breakout titles. Um, but, you know, looking at them... I was like, hey, you know, there's actually some some really interesting ideas in here, you know, doing uh, doing a little bit of research on them, you know, to see that uh, they were inspired more by pinball than by uh, traditional uh, breakout titles like from the Magnavox and, and whatnot. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, combining like the two a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you've got like the um, the lower sort of, um, I guess, ringer areas. you got like the the four things in the middle that'll be either like numbers or smiley faces or something and then to actually have the bricks lined up um in multiple directions around it like they were thinking outside the box a little bit with this one for sure yeah i mean they obviously wanted to kind of keep it somewhat safe with like a breakout clone just because again the popularity of breakout in general and everyone right but it's not just a a big like wall of bricks exactly uh, up above you 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it was just kind of like their own like kind of spin on it, and it was a kind of way you know again for them to kind of like break into like the arcade scene in some way that they figured would be successful. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, interesting note. QDQ did find a home release. It was originally included in the Japanese release of Namco Museum Volume 2 for PlayStation, but it was actually playable in the U.S. in Namco Museum Remix. Mm. So, yeah, so I guess you can check it out if you have a Wii console or a Wii U. There you go. There you go. So if you got, like, uh, like the, older, the older Nintendo consoles there, definitely jump on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, another game uh, that I know I definitely jumped on here is Alleyway. So this is a 1989 breakout clone by Nintendo and Intelligent Systems. It was a global launch title for the Game Boy. Bonus stages had block patterns depicting Super Mario Brothers sprouts, uh, Super Mario, Super Mario Brothers sprites, I should say. Uh, sprouts, sprouts, yeah. Like also, we're, we're, we're in a garden. Sprouts, it's, it's, a garden. it's Super Mario Brothers too, all over again. Is exactly, what it is. Yeah, all, all these sprouts. sprouts. Piranha Pete, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pulling up vegetables left and right. Um, so with uh, you know with Super Mario Brothers sprites with Mario Bowser Goomba and so on. Uh, and the box art originally depicted an unknown protagonist manning the paddle, but was replaced by Mario when released in North America and Europe. Since I, I guess they figured that it would probably sell the game more if you you know if you just kind of throw Mario right there in the box art, just like how they did with um, was it like there was like a uh, golf, and I think he was in the box art tennis, or like, at the very least, like he was uh, he, you know he was kind of made to be like the. Um, uh, the like uh, I don't know, referee or whatever for like the tennis game, but as well as like actually in uh, in like Punch Out too, like he was the, he was the referee in Punch Out. Mm-hmm. Um, now I didn't play too much Alleyway at the time because I was really into Tetris, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I recall like uh, a couple of years later, Hal Laboratory released a game called Kirby's Block Ball. Yes, uh, which is a sort of like a, a spinoff of the Kirby series, but it was a neat little ball and paddle game in its own right. So I got I got more into that. But if I recall correctly, Alleyway was a nice little personable title at the launch of the system. And of course, I was playing Revenge of the Gator too, because you know <laughs> what, what else am I going to play? But um, I understand Alleyway was a lot of fun. I mean, maybe one day I'll go back to it once we get this um, new Game Boy system from Hyperkin, the mm. Ultra. Yeah, we we didn't talk about that, but it's it's kind of cool how they're bringing that back. We're could play with the old cartridges and everything and all these features, but I, I mean, it's a good opportunity to revisit old games like that. And Alleyway was always a nice little classic. And you know, if Nintendo does come through with this Game Boy Classic system they're talking about, reportedly, I'd love to see Alleyway or and or Kirby's Block Ball as part of that lineup because ball and paddle games are actually surprisingly fun on the Game Boy, despite the fact you really can't see the screen that well. Right. Yeah. I'm, if I'm, they I'm, come I'm, out. If they come out with a Game Boy Classic, they better do. Uh, they better release them in all the colors of the original Game Boy Pocket. Uh, oh yeah, they better run that same ad with everybody with the different hair colors. Oh, I, I remember the one with the tongues. <laughs> do you remember the one with the different the one with the tongues? tongues yeah. Oh, yeah, they need they need to bring that campaign back if they do this. I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, yeah, so that that is uh, that is the stage of history right there. So that's going to lead us now to Obscura. Yeah, and you know a lot of people are talking about um, Atari's games. They made a number, you know, they Breakout, Super Breakout, stuff like that. But they also made a, a very obscure game called Off the Wall. Uh, this was re- an Atari 2600 game that was released in 1989, developed by Axine and published by Atari. Um, it is basically players take control of the hero Kung Fu Lu, L-U. Uh, that, that's the best name ever. And the objective is to smash through an evil wall to kill a dragon that has been tormenting villagers. In the game, Lu receives several power-ups to achieve his goal, and he must overcome a bat that stands in his way. So he has to deal with a bat and a dragon 
using a ball and paddle. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> but it's very much inspired by Breakout and Super Breakout, and you can control it with either a joystick or a paddle controller. Now, here's a fun fact. After it came out for Atari 2600, there was also an arcade release called Off the Wall. It came out in 1991. It was more of a general ball and paddle thing. They didn't really follow the same storyline, but it has unique little... Um, or I said square base stages where you can like go around and eliminate tiles too. And it was, it was kind of cool designed at the time. This was back when Atari was doing more experimentation in the arcades and we were starting to get more original ideas. Um, and then you also had glowing blocks that give you power-ups, including like the Zextra ball. It was actually spelled Z or X E X T R a ball, as well as the uh, catch ball, the invincible, the slow ball, the bigger paddle firepower. It, it basically, Innovated power-ups before Arkanoid did, mm. which I think was kind of cool. Um, unless, no, I think Arkanoid might have come out beforehand. Arkanoid, yeah. 1986. Arkanoid Sorry, first. Sorry I, I apologize. Three or four I, years. Yeah, that, that's my Sprouts moment. Sorry. Yeah, the Sprouts. It's okay. <laughs> Everyone has, has to have a so, Sprouts moment. <laughs> so it, it took the idea from Arkanoid then, and it kind of rolled it into its own neat little thing there. And uh, like I said, this was an era where you know Atari was introducing games like Steel Talons, um, Road Riot, uh, Pit Fighter, you know, Race Driving, <laughs> Thunder Jaws. If you don't remember Thunder Jaws, go look it up. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was it was really cool. Like it started in the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and then it went to arcades, and it introduced a different style when it came to the arcades. So yeah, I mean, I really don't know if you can find much uh, distribution for the arcade game, but you can always hunt down the ROM and you can play it with a controller, I believe. So there's that. Um, I don't suppose either of you have played Off the Wall, have you? I've only have played like, a little bit of it. Just I checked bit. out some video of the arcade one earlier today, and. Uh, I gotta say, like this game had some style to it. It's like, it it's like if you put uh, Breakout on a solo cup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a late Atari twenty six hundred game, I know. So it basically kind of like took advantage of as much of the console's power as possible, at least, at least for like a you know for like a ball and paddle game. Um, but uh, it's uh, it, it was pretty cool like, with the fact that like it, it had like its best depiction. Uh, that that the system can handle, I guess, of like a uh, of like kind of like a sunset in the desert and all that stuff. So like it was, was kind of like a, you know kind of like neat as far as like the use of colors and like what they could kind of squeeze out of the console's power. Yeah, I mean Atari knew their stylish stuff. I, I have to bring up Clax again because that was also another stylish game in their little arcade heyday. And even Hydra, I loved Hydra too. Oh, yeah. um, but that's Hydra. just another. Yeah, no, not that Hydra. It's <laughs> a different Hydra, a different evil Hydra. But yeah, that's uh, that's off the wall. Um, you can check out Arcade ROM, and I'm sure you can hunt down the Atari 2600 version. You might be paying a little bit more for it, but if you like rare Atari cartridges, uh, it's the way to go. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to lead us now to our main topic here, which is uh, we're going to kind of start off with like the history of like breakout clones or brick breakers, if you will. Uh, and then we'll, we'll also kind of get into uh, into Danny's new game here as well. So we'll kind of like, you know, kind of collaborate with that. Uh, so, so, you know, let's kind of start off actually with the history of like Breakout Clones. Uh, it actually kind of started with Atari's Breakout, uh, you know, as you can probably tell already, uh, in 1976, which was created by Apple co-founders Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, which there's a quite a story behind those two as far as like working on that game, uh, as far as like kind of Steve Jobs uh, kind of pocketing some money that he did not tell Wozniak about when being paid by uh, by Atari for the project. 
Um, but yeah, there was also the initial idea was actually to like kind of bring like a single player Pong like experience, basically. Um, you know, since like Pong was like so big back then, so they figured it's like, well, what else can we do with like a ball and paddle? But like, we just like one player is like, well, just kind of break some bricks up on the top, I guess, whatever. We're like, let's just kind of try it up. Um, so this is actually followed shortly by Super Breakout, which came out in 1978. Uh, this also sparked the release of many breakout clones that didn't deviate much from the original concept of using a, you know, above using like a ball and paddle uh, to clear bricks on the screen. Uh, the release of Tato's uh, Arkanoid in 1986 uh, revitalized the concept with the addition of power-ups, different types of bricks, and a more unique variety of levels. And sequels, spin-offs, and clones of Arkanoid have been made since most recently, actually, with the 2017 uh, smartphone game Arkanoid vs. Uh, Space Invaders, which is uh, actually like a pretty fun game uh, if you haven't mm-hmm. tried it out yet. like I think it's on both iOS and Android. I, I know it's at least yeah. on, on iOS because I played it. It is. So. It's on iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, I, I guess kind of like just kind of throw it on the table there. Uh, starting with you here, Danny. Uh, what has been your experience in general with like the brick breaker uh, genre? Um, so my experience um, probably dates back to, you know, like Breakout and whatnot as a kid. I mean, obviously, we all had Breakout clones, uh, say, on our graphing calculators in middle and high school. Um, I don't Blackberries remember which- as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember which one specifically, but I mean, so like whether it was that or something in DOS, I, I mean, I don't even remember. Um, the one that stands out to me from my childhood is Ricochet, uh, which was if, if you never played Ricochet, it's almost like a, a sci-fi Arkanoid with like like heavy like cyber industrial style and everything's robotic and <laughs> alien moving around is absolutely crazy. I think there was a port for it on PS3. I don't know where it is these days, but it's still readily available. It's been around like 15 years now. Um, so that one I think stands out for me. But one thing I've noticed about the genre is that uh, it's very tempting to almost over stylize it. And, like, just kind of, I don't really know how to explain it, but, you know, they'll, they'll take, like, uh, like what, what Ricochet did and sort of expand on it to such an extent where, uh, like, all the blocks are in 3D for no reason and <laughs> it, it's just, like, everything flying up in your face and like at the camera and like extra obscuring everything. And I guess like everyone kind of like trying to put their own stamp on the genre in general or like their own right. breakout style game. Yeah. But when it gets in the way of the core gameplay though, it's a problem. Like, uh, you know, it reminds me of that quote, that quote from, from clueless. It'd be like, well, I can't be involved in any activity where balls fly in my face. Well, there goes your social life, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, exactly. how, um, how, how about you there, Robert? Like, uh, what's your, your experience been like with brick breakers? You know, I really sucked at breakout and super breakout. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't, I did not do well paddle controls, but I really got into Arkanoid, which is like I said, why I'm so surprised I forgot what year it came out. Yeah. Cause I've been playing like variations of this all over the place. I played the original game and the arcades. I played do it again on super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. 
played Arkanoid Live on Xbox 360, which is also Xbox One backward compatible, by the way. Mm. And I've been playing a little bit of the iOS game, which is really good, too. So, I mean, it's always been a fun game, and the power-ups have been really useful, uh, especially laser. Because, you know, like, there are some balls, they'd be like, come on, just get that last tile. Right. Get, get that, you know, otherwise you could just shoot it and you're good to go. So um, I think Arkanoid really stood out for me. But there was another game. This one just came out a few years ago from City Interactive, S-I-D-H-E. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Sorry if I didn't. Uh, it's a 2009 game called Shatter. Uh, it came out for the PlayStation 3 as well as PC and iOS. And it's a ball and paddle game, but it's a little bit more high tech. It works on the side. So you have the paddle on the left side of the screen and all the obstacles you need to destroy on the right side of the screen. And you could use buttons to kind of change the trajectory of the ball. Like your paddle worked like a magnet. You could either push the ball out or suck it in. And it would change the trajectory as you went along. Uh, you could pick up power-ups, you could pick up one-ups, you could pick up all sorts of different things. I uh, had very groovy visuals, terrific soundtrack, uh, really a lot of fun. Um, we haven't seen any ports to this game since, but I really think Shatter is a terrific game. I think you can get it on Steam still, and you could also get the soundtrack as well. It's done by an electronic musician by the name of Module, and he's got his own Bandcamp independent music site, and it's really good. So, okay. I mean... This was a really good game as well. So look up Shatter, uh, PlayStation 3, like I said, Steam, and iOS. It's, it's really good. So, I'm, in- uh, 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 like I'm guessing it has, like a, has like really good music to it as well, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, like I said, it's done by an electronic musician, and it's really well composed. And you just basically fly through these different galaxies, and you take on these, these stages of like blocks and everything like that. And there's also explosive blocks, so you could break them apart if you want and oh. try to get them off the screen or whatever. And it was really neat how you could use the magnet propulsion to kind of direct it in the way you wanted to go. So none of those, get that tile in the corner, get that damn tile in the corner. <laughs> right. Why won't you hit it, you know, for five hours on it? You could kind of direct the ball toward the last tile and move on to the next stage. Very cool, very cool. Uh, I know for me, like, honestly, like a lot of my uh, my breakout experience, like, aside from just kind of like random clones here and there, uh, a lot of it has been with uh, w- w- you know with alleyway. Uh, I didn't own a uh, like an original Game Boy myself. I you know I think that the only Game Boy console I actually ever owned was a Game Boy Color. Now that I think about it, um, but the uh, but the OG Game Boy I play like over at my neighbor's house, and he had alleyway. So like you know, aside from playing uh, games like Tetris or like the abysmal Amazing Spider-Man game <laughs> they have on there, um, there was also alleyway. So like you know, definitely play like a lot of alleyway there, and just kind of like get like my my breakout fix like from that it was a lot of fun too like you know especially kind of seeing um you know seeing like those bonus stages like with uh you know with like the mario sprites not the sprouts but the sprites um like on there so uh so yeah like you know it was a lot of fun and really cool and i've always kind of had kind of like a soft spot for the you know those types of games because um i appreciate any game that has uh intrinsic simplicity in it like where anyone can kind of like pick up and you know instantly understand how to play it uh, but also just kind of like suck you in and just kind of you know make you want to do better as you kind of keep doing it and stuff. Uh, as long as there's no microtransactions involved with it, or you know, or like any of the uh, kind of free to play kind of um, kind of mentality as you you know as you see like in a lot of like iOS games uh, you know nowadays. But um, but yeah, it's kind of having that very kind of simple type of gameplay that anyone can kind of pick up and play and understand is, uh, is is like something that's kind of very near and dear to me and, and you know in my heart, uh, which is why I kind of like, like Brick Breaker games uh, in general because of that. But certainly Alleyway was kind of like my jam uh, back then. So. Uh, but something that is definitely your jam right now, Danny, is the game that you're, you know, that, that you know that you're working on, or like it, it's come out like like just now, right? Like with, with Mondrian Plastic Reality. 
Uh, yeah, so we just launched that on early access right now exclusively to uh, to itch.io. Mm. Uh, so that's fifteen dollars, and uh, so that is the sequel to Abstraction and Beauty, uh, but it's actually based directly on the source code to Abstraction and Beauty. Uh, so basically, all the content that was in there is in Plastic Reality plus so much more um, that. It's like if you like the first one, you're going to love this one. If you love the first one, you're going to go nuts for this one. If you didn't like the first one, there may actually be something in here that catches your fancy. Nice. Yeah, like it's um, – so like how, how would you, I guess, like give like an elevator pitch more or less for people who don't know what Mondrian is or like – I guess like for both Mondrian games. So Mondrian is a circular brick breaker inspired by 20th century art history. Uh, so the idea is, um, there's a few other circular brick breakers on the market. Usually what they do though, is you're hitting the ball to the outside of the field and the bricks are surrounding you. What we've done is we've put the field inside and your paddle is on the outside and much like a traditional breakout, you are preventing the ball from flying away. Instead of going into this uh, like no man's no man's land in the middle, uh, and what that has done is uh, sort of created a more familiar uh, gameplay experience, despite you moving clockwise and counterclockwise instead of just left and right. Gotcha. Yeah, and like uh, so, like with like the you know the latest release now of Plastic Reality. Uh, if I remember correctly from like, the presser that you gave me, like there are some like roguelite kind of um, kind of like gameplay elements in there too, right? Yeah. Uh, so dynamic generation has always been a big part of uh, this game, whether it's uh, what color every brick is, or whether or not it has a power up, or what shape the wall is, or how it's rotating, what paddle you get, what ball you get. Um, I would say probably 90% of the elements in a level are dynamically generated. Uh, however, um, the uh, level layouts themselves are uh, not only manually created, but now you get to make them yourself in the brand new Mondrian Maker level editor. That's right, yeah. So, like, uh, can you... Uh, this is actually, like, like very interesting to me because I, I, I'm always, like, intrigued by, like, any game that allows you to kind of just create stuff, pretty much, or just kind of, like, really kind of go to town with it. So how, how robust is this, like, Mondrian Maker, exactly? This is so robust, it's stupid. Um, <laughs> it's so, so stupid. I was... So in the original game, uh, I had to program levels in manually. So what I would do is I would actually design the levels in Photoshop uh, write down their X, Y coordinates in a spreadsheet, then transfer those over to code for uh, generating the blocks at runtime. And my mental limit on doing that was like 10 or 12 levels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so far uh, on Plastic Reality, thanks to uh, Mondrian Maker, we've doubled that. Uh, so we're up to... 24, 25-ish levels in there. Now we're aiming for, you know, the, the general 100 that, you know, everybody says, yeah, we're going to have 100 levels in the game. Well, we actually have a plan on how we're going to do that, and we have a tool set for getting it done. Um, and we've put, you know, plenty of shortcuts 
into this thing, whether it's keyboard shortcuts or like holding shift to stamp blocks down instead of dragging and dropping them one at a time. You can individually scale and rotate each block. You can apply modifiers to each block to make them shift up, down, left, right, or phase in and out of visibility. There's there's different block types you can use now. Uh, So we've got, um, you know, obviously your regular blocks and your tough gray blocks. They're not invincible anymore, but on hard, they do have four HP, I think. So it takes a while to break through them. Uh, But now you can also... Uh, switch them to portal blocks. So if the ball hits one of these, it'll come out another hmm. uh, at random. Um, and uh, we should have splitter blocks working hopefully by February. And those are uh, basically when you hit them, they spawn a number of regular blocks from the center uh, based on what difficulty you have selected. So... Uh, on easy, they'll spawn two. On medium, they'll spawn three. And on hard, they'll spawn four. So I, I imagine, too, like, you know, again, this, you know, this being kind of like a very uh, kind of creative mode, basically a Mondrian, um, that you have, like, some people making uh, almost kind of like artistic levels in the sense, like, it's kind of like, you know, building things out of the bricks, if you will. Kind of like, you know, as I was, as I was saying before, uh, with the uh, with the Mario Brothers sprites uh, in, uh, in Alleyway and everything, uh, have you seen any, any sort of like crazy designs in that, uh, in that aspect? Well, so one of the first levels I made uh, was actually based on the uh, Pete Mondrian painting that inspired this series in the first place, Broadway Boogie Woogie. And so with this level editor in place, I said, you know what? I am going to make Broadway Boogie Woogie in this editor. And if I can do that, and if I can get it playable, then I know there's something here. And it took me a while because I hadn't yet gotten in, like, block alignment and um, uh, stamping blocks and uh, all these other shortcuts that I figured out through making this level. But I did it. And, you know, it's actually included in there. So I I actually have to develop the level in four pieces because the painting is so big. Um, But, you know, you're going to end up with... So what we have now is uh, what I've called... uh, Boogie Woogie Northeast, and so there'll be Boogie Woogie Northwest, uh, Boogie Woogie Southeast, Boogie Woogie Southwest. And so that right there is four levels based on one Mondrian painting. And of course, each level has uh, four difficulties. If you click the difficulty button in Mondrian Maker, you can actually iterate the difficulty and make each one different. So it has the same layout, but you can change the type and modifiers on each one. And Yes, you can apply multiple modifiers to a block if you choose. So they can shift left and right and vanish in and out. And we're working on uh, this thing we call the mod switch, which puts a mod into an alternate mode. So, uh, for instance, with phasing, that will start the block invisible instead of visible. And so what you can do is you can actually build layered levels. Wow. All right. So yeah, you you can really kind of really go to town as far as like just like you know like kind of making like a level and just have like a friend kind of play it, and all of a sudden they'd be like, "What the hell am I in for?" Now? Yeah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it blinks and it's a completely different level. That's and, insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's completely insane. So you want to talk about a robust level editor? This is not only robust; it is so 
easy to use. Everything is just done through this really simple context menu. You click a block, menu comes up, click whatever little circle you need, whether it's to scale the block or to apply a modifier or change the block type on it. Uh, give it a title, hit save, hit play. You know, three seconds comes right up in the game. It's just kind of an unbelievable tool set. And I ended up making it in less than the original version of it was made in less than a week because my programmer at the time, uh, Carter, who was working on Children of Liberty, was uh, testing it out at a demo night, uh, playcrafting demo night around here. And he was like, this needs a level editor. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll go do that. And somehow <laughs> I did it. There you go. Um, I got a question here. Um, I know one very important game in a thing like this are the physics, uh, putting together a good model. So, like, you know, if a ball bounces off an object, it doesn't suddenly go the opposite freaking direction, which I've seen in a couple of games. <laughs> Still trying to figure out why the hell that is. So, I mean, what kind of devotion did you put into the physics model of the game? Like, I mean, I, you, did you do your research with stuff like Arkanoid and stuff like that? Or did you know exactly what you wanted when you started working on this game? So right now, um, as, as I see it, there's two physics models in the game. There's the physics model that applies to uh, the paddle and the wall, and there's the physics model that applies to the blocks. And the physics model that applies to the blocks, I feel like, feels pretty good. Um, it sort of came down to... Uh, determining a chance uh, between the ball bouncing right back at you and the ball bouncing around the level mm -hmm. and trying to find a good balance between the two that could also vary up between difficulties. And when it comes to the ball bouncing off the paddle, we're redoing that completely because it's absolute crap and we know it. Uh, but right now, it's just the abstraction and beauty model of kind of like if you hit the middle of the paddle it goes straight ish and if you hit the sides of the paddle it knocks the ball around the outside um mm. so right now however we do want to get it more sort of angle of incidence based between the ball and the way you have your paddle rotated um so that's going to add probably an extra unexpected layer of difficulty onto it and it may take some getting used to. It's going to take a lot of testing. And I can't even guarantee we're going to get it done. But we know it's something that we want to do. And also, I got to bring up this. I I'm looking at the suggestions for the soundtrack that's featured in the game. Uh, Acid Jazz. Yeah. Uh, now I, I I really don't know how many games use Acid Jazz anymore, so I I, I had to ask. When it comes to putting the soundtrack together, I see that Hannah Hoyt and David John Blodgett worked on yep. the uh, said that right uh, worked yep. on the soundtrack. So how did you come up with the idea of like you know what? Let's throw some Acid Jazz in there. Just well, so at the time, I was testing the game and um, it didn't have any music in it yet. This is back in the original version. And I just had like some random uh, chill hop ish uh, like uh, playlist going on, and I was like, "Ha, huh, you know, this kind of fits it, you know." And 
And so I'm like, okay, let's let's take this to the inevitable spot. What sounds good? What if if this works, then this should be the style of it. It's not exactly acid jazz. It is more hip hop. Um, but I ended up putting some Jamiroquai on with it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm grooving out to this. This is crazy. This just works. And so over time, you know, we were you know playing with like the hip hop sound of the game and so we determined like okay we need piano scratches um and then that kind of just inevitably led to uh a little bit more techno here and there uh some more kind of jazzy styles uh you know sort of abstract not really saxophone but sort of kind of i don't really know what they used in it um like trippy weirdness uh i guess you could say and um one of the things we're looking into doing for the new one is since we've got uh these these playable characters that are all based on uh real 20th century artists is to sort of bring their cultures into the soundtrack a little bit too so for instance uh andy warhol you know his art gallery was called the factory and so we want to bring in like a bunch of industrial noises like clangs and steam pipes and all sorts of like weird, uncomfortable industrial noises for his soundtrack. And then Hale Woodruff was from Atlanta. So we want to bring in some more like southern bluesy kind of stuff. And then Lois Maylou Jones was actually from here, Boston. And so we want to bring some of that like Boston jazz sound uh, to hers. And, uh, you know, obviously Mondrian soundtrack, he's, he's pretty much set. Um, and then that just leaves uh, Sophie and Dada music. I don't know if we're going to do that. That's probably too weird. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> Is, um, is there really like 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 you know like a too weird that they can get like now like you've already gone like this far with it so yeah I mean, I mean yeah maybe you're, you're on a show that's too weird so it's all good. <laughs> that's true <laughs> but I mean there's there's just so much room for experimentation within this kind of jazzy hip hop bubble that we've got going on um, so we we want to keep the kind of grooviness of everything um, but sort of uh focus in on what makes each of these characters tick gotcha yeah i mean at at the very least like it does give you like a direction i guess with how to take like the music depending on like you know who you know which characters are on screen or which level you're in or what or whatnot so exactly yeah uh, yeah so it gives you that that like direction which is cool so uh it it, it looks it looks great and like honestly like i I remember um i remember playing like a bit mondrian i think it was uh was that during like Boston Festival of Indie Games, or at least some kind of like event that like revolved around Boston Festival of Indie Games? Like, uh, it might have been Maiden Mass, yeah. I think, yeah, that, that, that's what it was. It was the Maiden Mass uh, like event. And I, I remember playing. You know, you know, I got to play Mondrian, like, well, you know, and also kind of talk with you and stuff, like, while over there. And uh, it, it was really cool. I really loved the idea, and I was I was kind of curious to kind of see. Uh, I guess, like, what else you're going to kind of do with it to kind of help flesh it out and everything. So it's really cool to kind of see, uh, you know, to see plastic reality kind of come out and, like, really kind of, uh, I guess, like, add some character to it in a literal sense, I guess. Uh, yeah. Like, actually have the characters in there, which is really neat. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we were thinking about was how do we make this more community-based and, you know, more, 
I guess you could say Twitch friendly. Uh, yeah. You know, I hate to use that term, but eh, we just needed some way to get people not only excited to play it, but to share it. And throwing in some, you know, like, you know, not not just uh, content development tools, but some, you know, funny cartoony style to the whole thing to, you know, like you said, give it more character. Yeah. Literally more characters. Um, it just kind of felt like the right way to go. Yeah. It just bring the, you know, despite the whole idea of moving away from nature that Mondrian was going for, ironically, we had to step back toward the natural just a little bit to sort of connect with the audience a little more. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, again, like it's just, I guess, like just kind of adding in that kind of like, uh, you know, the characters, but it kind of injects like that kind of personality too as well. And uh, it certainly lends itself as well to the whole idea that like, yeah, this is kind of based on that 20th century, like kind of uh, art movement basically. And um, so like, if you, if you add in like, I guess your, your own versions of, these like you know these famous like you know people and everything like you know as you mentioned there with like Andy Warhol and like other people there, um, you know it, it just kind of lends itself more to being a more uh, I guess kind of personal experience I guess like for people who you know either have an appreciation for that stuff or not and they just kinda, you know they just kind of like see these characters and they're like oh that's that's a cool looking character I'll kind of play as that and this it kind of adds to like the hook of the game I guess in that sense so um, exactly and you yeah. know if you never heard of them that's okay we're gonna teach you about them you know we're working on a brand new campaign mode that is going to be, uh, for the first time, actually stringing levels together linearly uh, in Mondrian instead of dynamically loading whichever level uh, the game feels like. Mm. Um, And in between each level, there's going to be dialogue bits where you'll actually get to learn about each of these artists' lives and, you know, some of the events that uh, shape their early work and even their later work. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So some, uh, yeah, so, you know, some really cool stuff that you're working on there with Mondrian Plastic Reality, which is out now. Uh, but if you want to find more information on it, uh, you can go to lantanagames.com, which we will also have linked in the show notes below. So definitely check out uh, Mondrian as well as like your other work too. Uh, you know, you know, especially with the previous Mondrian game that they came out with, but uh, also with the game, which I'm not a hundred percent sure. Are you still working on Children of Liberty? Yes, yes. Okay. My God, we are still working on Children of Liberty. Um, <laughs> We put out a blog post a little under a month ago about the uh, state of the game from my side, that being the creative side. So talking about um, not just uh, all the like art and voiceover and music and everything else that's gone in, but also our uh, recent partnership with Northeastern University, which is also coming into play with Mondrian. Huge news on that, hopefully by PAX. Mm. Uh, can't say anything about it right now, but some interesting things are happening, not just for us, but that might actually affect the entire industry. Wow. All right. Ooh. Well, some, some, um, some big news pro- on the horizon, probably, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And, and acid jazz music rhythm. And acid jazz and chill hop and all that good stuff. If, if it's dance, dance, acid jazz, David's all over it. Yes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, God, I'm, yes. I'm more against some like Jet Set Radio kind of vibes a little bit, too, because I, I know Jet yeah. Set Radio had some acid jazz in there as well in the soundtrack. Oh, big time. Big time. I mean, yep. so you can actually check out the original game soundtrack on YouTube for free. Uh, nice. That's up on our YouTube channel. 
Um, it's great work music, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I uh, imagine it's, so. It's really, really good stuff, and I even have a few leftover soundtrack CDs. I'm looking at one right now. It's, it's a pretty damn good soundtrack. It's a good hour of your day. Sounds um, good. But, yeah, so Children of Liberty. Uh, so, like I said, uh, creative blog post went up a little under a month ago. Uh, there's going to be a tech blog post on that coming up pretty soon. Uh, that's going to go over more of the level building and programming and everything else that's gone uh, into the technological side of the game. Uh, we're um, revamping our uh, various public spreadsheets for everybody to keep an eye on in terms of how everything is going for programming and level building and art, etc., and we are going to be doing quarterly uh, updates this year. Um, and because, you know, one thing we noticed is like, well, month to month, sometimes there's a lot, sometimes there's a little. But every quarter, there's a development. Uh, there's, there's something significant to talk about every quarter. Uh, so the next one will probably come out around PAX-ish. Uh, and there's going to be quite a lot of good stuff to talk about. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm definitely excited to kind of see like what else is going to come out of Mondrian, as well as like just you know everything else that you're kind of like working on. Uh, you know, obviously being you know being like a buddy of yours as well too. Like I'm just like super excited oh, yeah, to see yeah. like what else you're working on as well. So, uh, so yeah, best best of luck there there to you, Danny. Like with uh, you know with Mondrian and everything beyond as well. So, uh, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, lantanagames.com is where you want to go to for all of Danny's stuff with Mondrian, Children of Liberty, and more. So that's going to lead us now into a game code they're going to give away here, Robert. Yep, I got another game code for Ultimate Fishing Simulator. Ultimate oh Fishing Simulator, yes. <laughs> it's a high-quality fishing simulator featuring realistic graphics, physics, and gameplay. Cross the boundless seas and oceans. Discover the deepest recesses of rivers and lakes. Ooh, yes, because they're so full of <laughs> deep recesses, but... Well, it's no, too this cool, is... like, to 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 uh, you know to go like fishing now, so you may as well like, do it virtually. In this case. Exactly, <laughs> and it's a good game to do it with. So there you go. Uh, here's an early access Steam key for you guys. It's three J X W Q N N T G V B H F C six. That's for Ultimate Fishing Simulator and enjoy. Maybe play the Mondrian soundtrack along to it so you can fish to acid jazz. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah Danny's going to do it now. He's going to take that code and be like, I got this. Yeah, I got ah, it. That's <laughs> someone else's code. Somebody else can have it. I won't do that to you. <laughs> I'm sure right. he'll... He'll do it like Sega Bass Fishing. He'll do it to that. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> def, def, definitely jam out like along, along, with, uh, along with some fishing there. So uh, that's going to lead us now into a game of random selects. So this is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character that Robert is this week. Uh, so this is Robert's turn. Uh, and basically it's going to be me and Danny going head to head to uh, try to figure out which, which character that Robert is. Uh, Danny, did you, did you play uh, any random select like last time you were on the show? I did not. I'm intrigued. Ooh. Here okay. we go. Yes, so, I yeah. I choose a classic character, and in the fifth and tenth clues, I, I provide clues rather after the fifth and tenth guesses for each of you. Uh, they're in the yes or no questions, so anything fitting in it. So don't don't ask what game are you in because I won't tell you. Uh, so <laughs> that's how it works. So uh, I've got my character in mind. So by all means, uh, yeah. Danny, want start us off? Yep. Uh. Are you a person? No. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Um, I'm guessing by person you mean you mean human, right? Human. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm right. not. I'm not a human person. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, are you an animal? Yes. Okay. Are you bipedal? What? <laughs> do you like, have two legs? Do you have two legs? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, and when you say animal, it's more like animals. Oh, okay. So you're multiple characters. Uh-huh, but each one has two legs. Interesting. Oh, okay. I'm... <laughs> okay. Oh. I think I might <laughs> see where this is going, but I'm not I sure. Might, I might, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, but go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have a beef against a dark-haired lady? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Danny? <laughs> oh, that completely throws my... Theory out of uh, whack. Okay. I know. I know who this is. So. Oh, okay. If you know who it is, then go for it. Go ahead. David. All right. Are you the Battle Toads? No. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I like the way you think. <laughs> All right. Eve against a dark-haired lady. Um. And animals. Keep in mind. Animal. Do you come in multiple colors? No. Okay. Uh, are you furry on the outside? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, one of the animals is. Oh, one of. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Could be Bucky O'Hare or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, why? Why would you bring him up as furry? I think he has. Okay. Uh, well, he's a bunny, but I, know, I think that's uh-huh. like a pig, pig uh, friend right. or something. I forget. Go ahead, Danny. Oh. Um. Oh. 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 Um. Do you have vehicles? Access to vehicles? No. Not in my original adventure. Okay. Interesting. Original adventure. Uh, I was really banking on that Battletoads there. Um, Do you use weapons? No. Mm, Okay. I think that's four there. Mm Mm-hmm. God. Um, are you 3D characters? Yes. Okay. Did you originally come from a PS1 game? No. Okay. And that's five, so my clue is, I'm carrying enough, get off my back. Oh, okay. I know who this is now. <laughs> I know exactly who this is now. All right. Oh, God. I gave too much away. <laughs> go ahead, Danny. But you I go think ahead there, Danny. Uh, no, David has it. You go and guess, David. All, All right. right. Are you Banjo-Kazooie? Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. not, not bad, though. Not bad. I like where you were going with the rare way of thinking. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And my, I mean, other, my, my other clue was watch out for moles. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, because I'll say with like dark haired lady, there's a, there is the yeah. um, the like dark queen in Balatos, but there is the uh, what was like the witch in uh, Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, Gruntilda, yeah. So right. you know, and I said uh, no vehicles in my original game because nuts and bolts. Nuts has and those. bolts. That's right. right. Yeah. And there's also Sega and all Sega and All Stars. See, racing. for some reason, my brain was stuck on the Skylanders, <laughs> and I just I couldn't get off of Spyro and Company. Aww. So then, when when David asked about uh, PS One, you said no. I went completely blank. <laughs> I'm like, but but, right. but uh, 
it's all right. I mean, like I said, David went all out to guess like the battle toads. So, you yeah. know, we're all over the place. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. It is kind of funny to think how similar the battle toads are to Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> in some way. In well, some by way. the same developer. So, you yeah, know. there's a, but, yeah, that's true. Actually. Like, yeah. There's so many parallels. If you think about it, it's, Oh my god, mm. it, they're they're kind of higher, but yeah, uh, I think we did the Battle Toads a while back, so I didn't want to do it again. So I I went down a different path with Rare, but yeah, that's uh, that's a random select this week. We actually had a pretty quick round this time. That's actually uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up the show, I did want to bring up a couple more things real quick. Uh, David, you were talking about Overwatch earlier. Uh, I did want to say the Overwatch League has officially kicked off. Yes. So there's some good worldwide competitions taking place there. So you want to check them out. I believe there's a Twitch channel, Overwatch League, that you could tune into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also want to give a shout out to Angry Game or uh, Angry Games, awesome games, dumb quick uh, <laughs> happening for 2018. The Mega Man X speed run. They're currently doing a Yoshi's Island speed run. I need to just get off this channel and watch this because it's amazing. Um, and then one more thing. A little while back, Retrobet, we talked about them teaming up with Sega to create accessories for the Genesis, Dreamcast, Sega Saturn, possibly talking about uh, all-in-one units. Uh, they began posting pictures of some of their Genesis accessories. And amongst them, we have a USB six-button Sega Genesis Classic controller that works with PC and Mac, mm. which Looks- is actually pretty impressive. Looks great right now, yeah. It does. I'm just wondering how well it works with, you know, like fighting games and obviously Sega Mega Drive collection, you know, stuff like that. But uh, so far, they've only revealed bits and pieces of these little collections, but hopefully we'll see some sort of all-in-one units somewhere around close to the middle of the year. That'd be great. But Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to check out more, it's twitter.com slash retrobitgaming. By the way, Rob, not to burst your bubble... Oh, uh, but they have AGDQ has moved on to Mario Sunshine. No, oh, well, <laughs> I'll just have to watch the archives. But I heard the Yoshi's Island run was amazing. But now they're playing an inferior Mario game. Sorry, but that's <laughs> it's a pretty Mario game. Yeah. It's pretty, but it's different. Ooh. Yeah. Well, all the GameCube games are different. Oh, well, like, yeah. I mean, that was really Nintendo's excuse to. Like smoke weed and be weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, but this Yoshi's Island run, this Yoshi's Island run was like four player race. That's what I love when four players. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So I mean, sure I mean like we said, the Mega Man X race was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So. Yeah, I know, and they still got a few days left. Uh, I believe they're going to wrap up Saturday night. So by the time this podcast comes out, you'll still be able to catch a day and a half of retro action as well as uh, run throughs of more current games. So yeah, check out Awesome Games Done Quick, guys, and be sure to donate as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one thing I should mention is uh, that I've been kind of playing around with the idea of having our cast up on YouTube. So um, I will have a Do link. It. Uh, to the uh, to the previous episode anyway, like on uh, you know on YouTube, at least in the show notes or something along those lines, like kind of some some kind of like link if you look in the show notes for uh, for our cast on uh, on YouTube and everything. But any like kind of feedback that you can kind of give on that, I'm all I'm all for. Like I, I like to kind of hear on um you know I guess like kind of different ideas as far as like what we can do to kind of make that a uh, like a better experience at least on that platform and everything. Um, so yeah, I'll d- definitely look out for that. Uh, there's also the uh, the SNES Visual Compendium, which just kind of came out, or at least uh, yes. been making the rounds now. Uh, which I, you know, which which both Robert and I actually have like a hand in, uh, you know, in like helping make actually, because uh, we you know we, we've done like a number of games on there. So I know like the games I did was uh, 
Batman Returns, uh, Bubsy. Um, there's also uh, what was it? Saturday Night, uh, Saturday Night Slam Matters. Uh, Slam Masters. Matters. Matters. It's like Family Matters, but with wrestlers. Saturday Night Sprouts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Carl, Carl, what are you doing? To, what are you doing? Did I do that? Yeah, <laughs> get like get like Hagar, like Scott Powell driving Urkel. Uh, I know, I know, I did a few as well. I did. I know, I did Zero Kamikaze Squirrel. Uh, the rest kind of escaped me because I don't have the book in front of me yet. Yeah. But I'm looking for getting my copy and checking it out uh, and all that thing. I mean, Bitnet books they make they make some amazing books. They send us the NES Compendium. They send us the Neo Geo Compendium, which is amazing. Um, so be sure to check out Bitmap books when you get here. We'll have to get Sam back on the show uh, and see if he wants to do like a Nintendo 64 Compendium because mm. please. Yeah, could be, could be down the horizon for sure. It might be like the next one. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so so you know, so definitely check that out. Like whenever you can, uh, bitmapbooks.co.uk is the uh, the URL for that. So, uh, so yeah, some really fun stuff. And um, Danny, like, where can people go in order to find you on social media or like anywhere else that we haven't mentioned? That's not lantanagames.com. <laughs> oh, I like have no social media that yeah. isn't lantanagames.com. <laughs> so just. Uh, follow at Lantana Games. Uh, if you happen to own the original Mondrian, uh, you actually can get 30% off the new Mondrian at itch.io. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's only 15 bucks, and uh, go grab that uh, and pick up a t-shirt while you're at it, because why not? Everybody loves a t-shirt. Uh, there's also sticker packs. Yeah, I'm shilling merch. That's right. You <laughs> cannot stop me. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, follow Lantana Games, uh, pick up some stuff, and uh, be good people. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that, that, that's kind of like rule number one, like you know, to you know, to be good, you know, to be good people and everything. Because there's definitely enough of the of the other kind for sure. That's exactly. running around. It's enough assholes in the world. Do I have absolutely. to? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and you know what? Be good people and don't be lazy people. Yes, there you go. Indeed, indeed. Man, there's uh, only so much I can handle, Danny. Come on. <laughs> uh, so if you want to follow ArgCast on Twitter, we are at ArgPodcast. Same thing for Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash ArgPodcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at TheGuiltyMan. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Twitter.com slash TheDCD. You can also check out my work at ComicBook.com slash Gaming. The best in news, previews, reviews, specials, all that. Indeed, indeed, and if you want to send us any like questions, any uh, question, or any like uh, any questions or other questions, or also like any like suggestions, feedback, or retro games you want us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at rcast at retrozap.com. and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially of the Star Wars variety. Uh, there is Bruise and Blasters. Uh, there is uh, Kanata's Castle, Starship Sabers and Scoundrels, Skywalking Through Neverland. Uh, there is also Beltway Bonthas, which is really cool because they combine both uh, Star Wars and politics. So if you're both minds, it's definitely the podcast for you. There's also the Animaniacast. So if you're big Animaniacast, oh, they've fan. been busy. With the oh new yeah, show. they they definitely oh, have been. For I sure. bet. Did <laughs> you hear though that the original crew has nothing to do with the reboot? Well, they're going to get the original voice actors back, and Steven's got a good animation team together. It's Hulu, so they they got good money. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I'm a little I'm nervous. nervous. However, however, uh, March fifteenth, uh, Freakicon is happening on Facebook. Is that Freakazoid uh, convention? Yes. Or? Oh my yes. god! <laughs> please and thank you. Invite me, please. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I will. I absolutely will. This is actually Tom Ruger and Paul Rudd. Something's happening on the Freakazoid mm. end. Oh, I don't wow. know what, but we're going to find out. Well, invite. 
please. Well, Yo, well, I will. Yeah, we'll, we'll like we'll we'll definitely like listen to uh, to to the Animaniacs thing because like I know they cover like also Freakazoid and like basically like all the shows kind of like related to Animaniacs in that regard. Uh, so definitely listen to Animaniacs as well if you're if you're a big Animaniacs fan. Uh, there's also the Deucecast movie show, so if you're a big like movie like uh, nerd as well, like just like how Robert and I are, uh, you'll definitely want to listen to those guys because they've been doing it for over 300 episodes now. Uh, so they, they definitely know their stuff over there. And uh, there's also the Techno Retro Dads. So if you love old school stuff, and of course you do because you listen to the Rcast, you love the Techno Retro Dads because they cover stuff in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, not only just video games, but also toys, commercials, things like that. And yeah, there's also us with Rcast. So be sure to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Stitcher and also Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the Rcast. And yeah, again, that's Rcast episode 92 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. And coming soon, the Acid Jazz Cast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, might, I might need to procure some of that music from you there, Danny, for the, for the episode, because I, I think I need to kind of jam out to some of that. Oh, yeah, dude, totally. I'll send some tracks along. For sure, there you go. Sure. Perfect. It, it, well, I'll have that. We'll actually put some at the end of the episode if we get it in a timely manner, just for all you sprouts out there. Indeed. You- <laughs> My only recommendation is um, avoid the credits theme. I, for some reason, got uh, content ID'd for that one on Ooh, YouTube. Okay. And I- I don't fucking you, know why. What did you do? Did, did you fall asleep? I didn't do on- jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> you did something. Uh, I know you, Danny. Yeah. It was, no, <laughs> dude, it's a false claim. You know, these fucking music companies are out of their goddamn minds. Yeah. Those Pretty damn vicious. sprouts. Uh, Those damn sprouts, man. Uh, uh, don't trust no sprouts, people. That's no. right. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week with an all new episode. Indeed. Catch you later. Welcome everyone, my name is Vaughn Hyde. I'm the host of IndiePod, an indie games podcast. With the help of my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average Josh Boys, we bring you all the indie games news you need to know, as well as shouting out some amazing indie games over on crowdfunding sites and occasionally derailing to a conversation about big anime chesticles. We are so happy to be part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network alongside so many other awesome gaming podcasts. So if you love indie games, make sure to listen in each and every Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.